this is Derek Carp, the founder and chairman of CSA and the host of the CSA podcast show. And I've got another special guest for our series, our, our leadership um, uh, expose. So we've, as you know, we've, uh, if you've tuned in before, we've interviewed quite a few different people uh, who are in various types of leadership positions in the control system or OT or industrial control system, cybersecurity industry. This is going to be a fun episode because it's going to be a different. I'm always looking for diversity and lots of different kinds of backgrounds. And I met Ted uh, some time ago and, uh, you know, I've gotten to know his company. Uh, when I thought about having him on as a guest, this will be interesting. For those of you that are not in the industry, but are maybe leaders in other industries, this is an exciting interest uh, industry to enter. And that is exactly uh, what Ted did. And we'll go sort of through his career path. But uh, I've got Ted Green, who's currently the chief operating officer of Network Perception, uh, headquartered in, in Chicago. And uh, we'll get sort of get to that uh, that end state uh, a little bit later in the interview. But Ted is a, uh, a definitely an entrepreneur. He's also a, a, a father and a husband and a, a thinker and a strategist and uh, a workaholic like many entrepreneurs are. Um, we'll get through how many entrepreneurial ventures there have been. But uh, Ted, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Derek. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I'm really excited to uh, join you today and, and looking forward to our conversation. All right. Well, uh, I always start these in the sort of the exact same way. There's a couple of formula questions I always ask or setups, and uh, so my I always say that the uh, the the modern day cybersecurity leaders uh, of all types, you know, and you're you're helping uh, you know leading an enterprise uh, that's that's going to make a difference in the space. Um, that we all you know that's sort of the superheroes of today, and all superheroes have a backstory. I'm waiting for one of you to say that you you fell in some sort of vat of caustic uh, you know industrial <laughs> chemicals to become who you are, but I doubt that. But I do know you you started out. Not far from where I started out. Uh, we're both Midwest boys. Uh, where did Ted come from? Yeah, well, I, I actually I grew up in Canton, Ohio, and so northeastern Ohio, just about an hour south of Cleveland, and uh, you know, typical kind of uh, Rust Belt Midwestern city. You know, grew up in a in a just your your average Midwestern family. Nothing uh, exciting, uh, other than we do have the football hall of fame. But uh, good, you know, good place to grow up. Well, I think we grew up within an hour uh, within an hour of each other, and so I know that neck of the woods uh, quite well. And I ended up moving back to Ohio later in my life, so on the other side of you by another hour. I think the other direction. So, in any okay. direction, I know the I know the area. So, talk uh, about you know, I, I sort of always ask people. You know, I, I think part of the goal of this series is sort of demystify leadership. People don't just pop into the role they're in, and I think we have people certainly at the entry level and early parts of their careers that are asking. Uh, and asking us questions all the time, you know, how do I get to here? How do I become a CISO? How do I uh, break into the industry? All these sorts of primordial uh, early stage questions. And, and of course, we evolve. And so you didn't start where you are. You, uh, you know, you started uh, like anybody else, um, you know, at an early stage. Who knows what you started with? So what I was kind of curious what sort of work people were exposed to as a youth. Um, it, you know, it varies from lawn mowing to, to more elaborate things. Did you do anything as a young person that sort of exposed you to to work and and started the, the the thought process about what you wanted to be? Oh sure, sure, yeah. No, when I was young, I I started working. I got my first job as a paper boy when I was 12 years old, and and have essentially been uh, uh, working ever since. I've always, you know, even in high school, I used to hold uh, two or three jobs at a time, and so I would I would get off of school at uh, I don't know three or four p.m. whenever you had left school in those days. Usually go to work and uh, get home around ten o'clock. So I don't think I don't think kids do that as much anymore. But uh, yeah, probably not. I mean, I know with my own, you, you're you're a father uh, and you've got uh, kids that are that are in the midst of launching or have already launched. Mine are pre-launched still. But yeah, we you got to ask yourself that. Like, okay, I learned this. How do I how do I convey that today? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. I have three great kids, but none, none, you know, they, they I think their jobs were a little bit more of a, just summer ways to earn a little extra cash. I was, I was always very motivated to work and make money. So I, I also know with our background that we, um, I mean, this is, it's so interesting. As, you know, setting up the researching you a little bit before the interview, we went to the same university, we went to the same college, Miami, yes. uh, Miami, Ohio, in Oxford, Ohio. So we had another thing in common there, which is cool. What did you, uh, what did you study there? I was uh, actually a liberal arts major, so I did economics and political science. And then you went, if I'm looking at sort of your chronologically, um, you went from that to, to banking and finance, though. I did. Actually, actually, before I went into banking, I uh, actually did another master's in political science. And then, uh, you know, my dad kept asking me, who's going to hire you with those degrees? So <laughs> I, I, I he's, he's still in a little bit of dismay that I haven't used my degrees to, for any any actual purpose in my life. But but no, I, I uh, you know, at the time I always had an interest in business. And so I really, you know, being a liberal arts major in college, I really had I think I took one accounting course in that whole time to fill a requirement, but had absolutely no business courses. So I, I, I thought that banking would be a really solid foundation for, for learning some things about business. And it was it was it was a great way to start the career. I, I actually uh, finished school, moved to moved to Chicago, started looking for a job and ended up in the uh, management training program at uh, ABN Amro LaSalle Bank, which is no longer around. It's actually part of Bank of America now. And you spent uh, you spent a span of years with a couple of different banks and some international banking as well. I did, I did, I did. Uh, I was with I went through the training program there and spent a few years in in LaSalle working with uh, largely middle market customers. I then wanted to get more into to, uh, corporate finance, so I, I jumped over to uh, Industrial Bank of Japan for a little while, and then Scotia Bank out of Canada. You know, by that time, you know, basically when you're in banking, you spend a lot of time working with with entrepreneurs and business owners, and and you get to see a lot of businesses. It's a it's it's really a great kind of foundation for for just learning about business and, and seeing how different companies operate. And uh, you know, so about five or six years in my career, I I pretty much determined that I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted to to build a business. I had no idea what what that might be, but I you know by that time I was pretty pretty set on moving in that direction. So that, you know, I can't help but think of your sort of, I know your, your career path and, you know, multiple different startups. It seems like it's sort of like, I, I just, it resonates with me because it's similar to my own path, but you collected a bunch of different knowledge pieces uh, that you probably utilize today because you, you're in a role that requires, uh, I mean, I know you're doing everything from strategy to finance to operations to HR. You, you collected all those pieces along this time. So that was sort of your. Oh, your yeah, own. yeah. Yeah, I, well, I still remember my first company. I, you know, I got started. I my my actually college buddy also from Miami. I guess what would be considered a very early technologist. I mean, he he was basically the only guy I knew that owned a computer. I, I still remember his, the excitement. He waited like three months. He ordered uh, I can't remember who manufactured. It took like three months to arrive, and he paid three thousand dollars for it, which at that time was a an enormous amount of money. And I I think if I remember correctly, it was like a two eighty six chip or something. And he, yeah. Uh, or, or something like that, but but I, I, I still recall to this day, uh, him, you know, sitting in a bar with him, and and he was telling me, boy, this internet thing's going to be big, and I, I think that might be one of the least quoted understatements in the history of mankind. <laughs> but uh, I thought, oh, okay, well, that that sounds like something, and I, I knew really nothing about technology at that time, and uh, so so literally just quit my job, and we started a, a company. We had no business plan, or we weren't even sure exactly what product or services we were going to make or build. 
we, we really just did that on the basis of the fact that the Internet was going to be uh, a changing force in, in our lives and business in our lives. I mean, I, I, I don't want to kid anybody. Our vision at that time was not as big as what, you know, it's hard to imagine the world without the Internet at this point. Our yeah. vision was not that big, but, but we thought it would be, you know, have a tremendous impact. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still remember, you know, we obviously we couldn't afford anything. So we, we used a spare bedroom in, a, in his house, sitting in that spare bedroom thinking, OK, what do I do now? You know, I just quit my job. I'm sitting there and thinking, okay, uh, what happens next? And so you, you really, you know, when you, when you, you know, in those days there was no, there was really no ecosystem for supporting entrepreneurs. I mean, colleges didn't have entrepreneurial courses yet, so you really kind of had to learn everything on your own. And uh, you know, we, we were fortunate in that, you know, looking back now that we were really one of the first internet technology companies here in the Midwest. Uh, and overall, this would this would have been '94, so. You know, it was very early on and, and the Internet was growing. So we, we were fortunate to be, you know, riding a pretty big wave. Yeah. And you're talking about SGS Net, right? SGS Net. Yeah, that was that was my first company that I started. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That, well, that is a special time. You know, I, I started my first company in 1997 when I was exiting the military. And so I everything you just said resonated with me. Yeah, that was like, OK, where are the resources? Hmm, how, how does one get this guy? I just want to get this going. It is amazing now that the resourcing and the mentorship and the programs. I know you're involved in some programs that have been in Chicago in helping founders get off the ground and advice and mentorship to founders, all those things. And those networks just, yeah, they didn't exist. They informally did. I always was seeking out people who might be able to give some advice, which is a theme definitely in our security industry that we're going to talk about because it's it's prevalent. A lot of people are willing to give advice. But, yeah, for entrepreneurs, need it, uh, need it as well. Um, so that SGS experience, that was, uh, what is that, eight, eight years or so? But it looks like there was an acquisition. Maybe maybe it, was, it changed, uh, changed hands more than yeah, one. Yeah, we, we, were, we were, like you said, we were fortunate. You know, at the time, uh, you know, Frank, I, I was really too too young and, and dumb to, to, to recognize what was going on in the world. We were, we were just kind of head down and running a company, which, which frankly, when you're, when you're starting companies is, is often the case. You, you, you know, it's easy to be uh, consumed by just, you know, what's going on day to day and what you need to do to you know, succeed and survive. But yeah, we, we were fortunate that, you know, obviously being in the internet technology space, we were, you know, doubling revenue about every seven or eight months for five or six years. And, uh, you know, it was an exciting time. There was a lot going on. You know, we were, you know, again, we were fortunate that we, we had some, some really strong clients. Uh, we, we had one client in particular that at the time was, you know, one of the top uh, five uh, most trafficked websites on the, the Internet. And so we were building a lot of software. And, you know, basically at that time we were building what, to, you know, today would be, you know, again, it's hard to imagine a world where, you know, everything, also everything you build now is, is either cloud-based or Internet-enabled. Uh, but back then it wasn't. So you actually had to build that stuff from the from from the ground up. And so we were building a lot of what would now be basically Internet enabled uh, infrastructure. And, yeah, it was, it was a really exciting time. It was it was, you know, the tiger by the tail. Uh, you know, I, I like to say, I look back now and, and, and wish I had appreciated more what was happening in the world, because I think, you know, things like that don't happen too often. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can equate that now. I'll talk about that now here at Network Perception, where I think what's going on in the the OT space is 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 very similar, not on the same scale as obviously the impact of the internet, but but very similar in terms of being in the early stages of e- evolving and and defining itself as an industry. I totally agree with you. I um, I moved over into this subspace of cybersecurity, the OTICS space, in 2012. I will freely admit, at the time, I and and uh, and colleagues and collaborators at the time um, estimated that. 
what we're talking about here, you know, the, the, the industry is going to take off. We were, we were still a little earlier than we thought we were, but, uh, but yeah. here, you know, 10 years later, um, I, I echo your thought that it is, um, it is like stepping back in time and, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to recognize when you're in the moment, but that's, that's probably one of the ahas from this. There are people, uh, maybe listening to this, that are thinking about opportunities and ideas and concepts for you and I in, in, in the mid nineties to recognize what a special unique time that was. You, you, unless you have context, you can't see it. And I do think we can wave that flag now and say context wise, you know, it's not this is a really interesting, still early stage of a whole new industry. And it's not a problem. It's not a finite problem that we're trying to fix. It's a problem that's rapidly expanding. We're connecting more devices. There's more attack surfaces. There's not a lesser problem tomorrow. There's a greater, you know, a greater problem. And so this is not going to be solved overnight. Um, I was talking with another uh, another guest on the show about job security. And he was saying, I think people have. Young people or, or early career people, they have, they have decades of job security in this space, if not indefinitely. There's so much yeah. to be done still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is interesting, and you know, it, 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 there's so many similar characteristics. I mean, you know, back in the '90s with the internet, there was a you know a sense of urgency around. I, I still, I kind of laugh. There was just a this this bifurcation between companies that either got it or didn't, and and there was a sense that you you had to get it soon or you were going to be roadkill. Yes. That the, the internet was this whole different animal. You know, it was, it was more about capturing market or staying competitive in the market. And, you know, we look back now and we can kind of smile at that because ultimately I think everybody got it. But, you know, same thing now in, in our industry, in the OT industry, yeah. where, you know, it's it, the sense of urgency is, is different. It's not about maintaining market share or, 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 or grabbing market share. It's, it's really about, you know, unfortunately living in a world where the, you know, the, 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 the threat you know, the threats continue to to exist and multiply, you know, exponentially and and keeping the world secure. So, they're, they're, you know, both had a sense of urgency, both, uh, you know, a sense of kind of convincing people that this is important. Uh, you know, again, if you if you talk to people now, it, it, you probably just sound ridiculous trying to talk and say, yeah, I was out convincing people that the Internet was something they needed to pay attention to. Um, but, you know, I, I remember I remember early on going on sales calls, you know, explaining to people what the Internet was. And and, and the best way you, you kind of forget, you know, in the mid 90s, we were only a few years removed from having your printer at the office network. And and so, you know, that's how I used to explain to people. I say, you know, how you you know how you can print to the printer over in the uh, other room from your workstation. The Internet's like that, but you can do it across buildings and cities. And, and you can kind of see lights go on, but you know, it's it, in some ways I think in the OT space, uh, we, we, you know, unless if when you're not talking to OT people, when you're talking to people outside of OT, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's still that same that same steep learning curve of trying to explain uh, why these things are important and how they're going to impact your life and why you need to pay attention. Yeah, well, it's and, and it's it, you you and I were talking earlier about power, things like power. We. We, we society-wise, again, all, all these things, yeah, somebody who's a specialist in this area, they know all this already, but the, the rest of the world, we take it for granted. We want power to run. We only notice when it doesn't, and we don't think about all the things that go into it, including cybersecurity of the infrastructure involved with 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 the power and with the grid and with uh, distribution and all that sort of thing. So it's it's critical, but we we rely on all these services. We just, we take them for granted and, and, and uh, hardly notice them at all. Um, if they work, we don't we don't even give them a thought. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It is. It is a bit of an uphill battle because you know utility by definition is is utility, and uh, you know we as I said before, you know people don't get excited in the morning when they get up and turn their light on and, and that the light works. They they expect that, 
Yeah. And so, uh, this, you know, if, if you look across critical infrastructure at this point in our lives and in, in this country, people expect it. They expect it to work. They expect it to be there. Uh, you know, nobody's getting excited because their water comes on or the traffic light turns green. And, and so getting their attention around that is, is often difficult. You know, I, I even look at, you know, I say, you know, like the Colonial Pipeline uh, incident, you know, how many people would have really paid attention to that if there weren't gas shortages, if they didn't have to stand in line at the, yeah. at the shell station to fill up their tank. I doubt most people would aware of the, you know, colonial would mean nothing to most people, but it does because people had to wait for gas. Uh, yeah. So it, you know, that, it, it, it personal. That was a it personal. personal. It, took, it took it to, you know, yeah. they say it took it to main street, it, you know, you know, as, as an OT security person in an OT, you know, security industry, I think that's, that's one of our, our, our main battles is, is really, you know, how, how do you get that sense of urgency around what needs to be done? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's definitely the, you know, it's a fine balance. You don't want to be, um, I think there's a lot of, of distaste after years and years of fear, uncertainty and doubt or FUD being used as the tool to try to, con, you know, try to convince people they should take it seriously. That has a back, you know, can backfire. So it's like, okay, how, how about an appropriate level of concern and risk mitigation? And people, you know, I, I think it's it's happening. There are boards uh, more and more waking up things like the pipeline incident help, you know, unfortunately help encourage that, which is like, okay, this is a risk area. We already measure and and work on different risks in our business. This is one we have to adequately address, as, uh, you know, as well. And it seems like progress is is finally finally being made. But you're right, it's it's um, if things work well, you know, maybe, maybe it's uh, not all that interesting to someone uh, who's got other things to you know to focus on. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a little like being an offensive lineman, I guess. They always say in the NFL, if you're doing your job well, nobody pays attention. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it is a it, it you know it's it's an interesting you know situation for for folks in the OT space because it, you know it, it is important and you know and all and ultimately you know as a world we're, we're you know you're never going to reach a risk free status so that you know it's really about how do you prepare the best that you can how do you how do you do the things you should be doing because you know you, you can't eliminate risk it's just not going to happen so yeah, I you, think you have to do yeah. Yeah, for anybody, it, it needs to be a balance. Exactly. Yeah, that aspect is 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 uh is important that we, we don't. There's no destination that we arrive at. Like, oh, secure. Yeah, you know, such thing. It's it's a it's a process. And I I like uh, people talking about a number of guests talk about the safety culture being, you know, now very well embedded in our industries. Um, and uh, part of you know part of everyday life within industrial settings. You know, how do we build how do we build a, a security culture? Something something analogous that's like. It's every day, everybody takes you know takes it appropriately seriously, um, and you can have the same sign at the front that's you know for one thousand days uh, since last last incident. So there's, yeah. there's an interesting analogy there. You did a variety. I know that you, you've uh, co-founded um, you know half a dozen companies, Akoya, uh, the the in the circle big uh, the big idea forum, which was a nonprofit, Rainbow yeah. Sports, and so that's been your career path. Is uh, once you once you started. Uh, uh, SGS net and cut your teeth on that in the, in the mid nineties. Um, that's what you've been doing. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I think once you become an entrepreneur, once you kind of get into that motion, it's, it's hard to, to think about doing anything else. I, I mean, I just, I, you know, what, what gets me out of bed in the morning is I, I love coming to an environment where everything you do is, is, is impactful and critical. And, and, you know, it's, you know, we, we were talking about that a little bit before, before we started that, you know, that's not necessarily for everybody, but, uh, you know, I kind of like the pressure of being in that situation and knowing that, you know, decisions shape 
you know, the company. And if you're in the right company in the right field, you know, your decision can even help shape, you know, industries and, and, and beyond. And so, yeah, I, I started, I did SGS net, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we had five, six wonderful years. And then we ran into the, the tech downturn, which was, uh, I, I think I probably learned more in the two years of the uh, of that than I learned in the six years of growth. Actually, I realized how little I learned in the six years of growth once the two years of the downturn started. So, you know, we, we managed to navigate our way through that uh, in, in some ways very painfully. Uh, you know, we went through the same, uh, uh, you know, having to reduce our company. Uh, you know, we, we, people forget there's kind of a double whammy there because, you uh, you know, we went from uh, in December of two to uh, 1999, I think it was, to you know not being able to hire people. Very similar day, not you know not being able to hire people, outgrowing office space ridiculously quick. To February of 2020 is really or do the whatever 9/11, yeah, nine, and then you know you have in February you have the downturn, and then uh, and then right when we start getting back on our feet, uh, 9/11 happened. And so, you know, it's, it's, it was, it was a, it was a pretty rough time, but we managed to navigate and, and we, we were able to, to successfully exit that company. And then, um, you know, I, I went through a period where I don't want to say I took a little time off, but uh, I, we mainly did some acquisitions. So I was acquiring some companies. That's when we acquired Rainbow Sports. And, and then the opportunity came up to start another technology company, which was Akoya. And again, I, I don't know if I, I guess I didn't learn much being kind of at the forefront of the, of the internet, one of the first internet companies, Bizacoya, was really was a spin out that we did from Caterpillar that was uh, uh, based on uh, essentially using big data, uh, using data analytics. And so, you know, again, one of the probably one of the first companies in that space, we were in the highly engineered space. So it was a manufacturing play, um, did that for, you know, a number of years um, successfully. It uh, was really interesting, completely different field again. I, at the time, I did not know. You know, SGS was more of a, a generalist company. We were dealing with a lot of different industries. To Akoya was very much in the uh, manufacturing sector, dealing with highly engineered parts and and uh, uh, part design and and uh, purchasing and and using uh, analytics to to basically design better better equipment, better parts for you know cars, earth movers, you know any any kind of large manu- any, any kind of large industrial equipment. Uh, at that time, and then uh, then did another little change of pace there after that, where we had owned Rainbow Sports for a while. I wasn't really active, but they were one of the leading players in the uh, women's sporting space, and I you know recognized that that you know at that time I had two young daughters that were both very active in sports, and I recognized that it was a completely underserved market for women's sports, even though it was exploding. So kind of did a little change of pace there and went into. Uh, uh, so women's sports, and the biggest thing I learned there is, is I'm a B2B guy. I did not did not enjoy the B2C space that much. It was uh, it was it was interesting. I learned a lot, but but I was eager to kind of get back to technology after after running through that cycle. Yeah, well, let's so let's jump to it. Um, where does where does network perception, you know, and your path, uh, where do they converge? And and um, talk about that sort of that experience, taking all your all those experiences, leading all those different early stage companies. And then uh, uh, joining a um, you know exciting early stage company in in the in this space that we're we're both in today. Sure, sure, yeah. So so after I had sold uh, the, the last company, um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned it over the during that whole time when I was doing companies, I became very active in in mentoring and working with other startups in the, in the Midwest. I had founded a group called the Big Idea Forum, which was basically a 
a group here in Chicago that was around for about 12 or 15 years doing, uh, you know, working with entrepreneurs, providing support in the entrepreneurial community. And so I spent a lot of time doing that and made a lot of relationships, uh, you know, through those endeavors. And, and one of those was I had uh, connected with the folks in the tech transfer office down at the University of Illinois, uh, which is just a, a fantastic, and I, I think most people in technology understand that the impact University of Illinois has had on technology just overall over the last 50 years. You know, at that point, I, I wasn't really doing much. I, I had taken some time off, was uh, was kind of helping, but was looking to find something to do. And so I spoke to them and said, are there some companies down there that might need some mentoring or need some help? It was a lot of fun. They they invited me down and I actually spent a couple days and, and met with about 15 companies or so that were, you know, very early stages to starting to bring the technology out of the university. And and one of the one of the companies I met with was was Rob Bertier, our, our our co-founder and CEO here at Network Perception, and and started spending a lot of time talking to Robin. And uh, I did not know much about the OT space at the time, and I thought, wow, this is this is interesting. He's got something very interesting here, but I'm not really sure what to make of it. You know, I like I say I didn't really know much about about OT technology or OT cybersecurity. And uh, but I really, you know, really enjoyed spending time with Robin, uh, very, very smart guy and, and really, you know, very obvious that he understood it very well. And so that intrigued me. I, you know, I, you know, one thing you learn being an entrepreneur is is you work with smart people is the way to be successful. And, and that's that's really the key. If, you, if you're going to ask me for one key is find smart people and work with them. And, uh, you know, I, I recognize that that was the case here. And so, you know, at that time, it was it was really Robin and, and a couple of uh, programmers that were, were working on code and trying to do some things. And uh, so we really started building out a plan, you know, around around, uh, you know, the network perception solution and the OT industry and what it would mean. You know, and even back then, when you talk about, you know, just referring back to our earlier conversation of, of you know, oftentimes you don't recognize what's going on. Uh, you know, five or six years ago, you know, this was this was very much kind of on the periphery of OT or technology in some ways. Quite honestly, I didn't even recognize that. I thought this is an interesting company, but I didn't recognize what was about to converge in the world between just the the needs in the OT sector and the increase in in, in security and everything that was going on. Uh, I think Robin probably recognized that, or people in OT, I'm sure, were were aware of that. But uh, but you know, it's it's been an interesting journey because I think. It, you know, it's, it's very much, you know, right time, right place kind of situation. Um, you know, similar to my first company, my buddy said the Internet's going to be big. You know, I'm not recognizing exactly what that meant at the time when he said yeah. that. And you look back and think, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and so, I, you know, I, I think the last five or six years, uh, seven, almost five or six years that I've been, been working in the OT space uh, and, and just watching the convergence between, you know, the, the what's going on in the world, the market itself. Uh, you know, the technology and everything is, has really been, uh, you know, fascinating. I think right there is sort of, that's one of the, one of the potential uh, outcomes of our interview is, is maybe some listeners who are not in our industry, uh, but are, you know, our leaders in their own right in other industries, there's opportunity here. And your, your, yours is, I think, but one example, um, there are others where they can join and bring all that knowledge that the space needs a fusion of knowledge, not just people who, you know, 20 years in cybersecurity, and I've got some friends who are in that category and, man, oh man, I would go to them with any technical question that I wouldn't have the answer to. And I know they've got it. 
but the problem space we're trying to solve, business leaders in it and financial people in it and insurance people in it and customers and lawyers and litigation. I mean, it's a multifaceted space. And so we need we need all sorts of leadership coming in. And that's really what I thought about interviewing you uh, on the show was that that was, you're an example of that, of somebody uh, bringing all that wealth of knowledge, uh, you know, to our space. And if we're going to be successful, that's, we need a fusion of expertise. And there's a lot of yeah. opportunity. There's other emerging companies. I think that we're going to see, uh, again, sort of, I think I'm with you that we're sort of calling the mid nineties recognition of, Hey, there's a lot of change about to happen. It, it seems to be, again, maybe not on the same scale, but but large scale, there's going to be a lot of connected uh, connected system, cybersecurity related growth and issue and opportunity. I had somebody talk to me about the space program recently and how many suppliers there are. You know, um, we, we, we see a couple of these you know, very, very large companies sort of leading the, the sort of commercial space program. But it was like there's hundreds of companies supplying them and all this stuff having to do a space program. And they were saying that's a whole nother imagine all the things that may go on there. And that's certainly going to be technologically enabled in every single way. So there's 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 a lots of growth ahead, and so that's an opportunity for for lots of people. Whether you have an accounting or finance or marketing or sales background, um, you can bring that, grab your bags, and bring all that experience to the space. That's what you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting, and, and 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 frankly, you know, through my career, I, I always say I'm not the smart guy. I've I've always worked with with smart people that really under, understand the technology and, and kind of have some domain expertise. I mean, what, what I always focus on is really looking at the you know the strategy. How do we grow? How do we go after the market? You know how how do you how do you become relevant? You know, that's a term I'll use a lot. Is you know as an early stage company or a technology company, you know you you really have to stay relevant. And and I think you know one of the things in the that that's a challenge for companies like ours in the OT space is that you know you have to recognize like you know we're heavily in the utility industry. Is that you know their concerns? If I'm if I'm at the C level in a utility company right now. You know, my concern is largely around I'm looking at, you know, alternative energy. I'm looking at, you know, everything that's going on and saying as, as you know, I, I've got a lot invested in equipment that takes you know lines, you know, across the country, you know, and I'm not sure how relevant that's going to be in 10 or 20 years. You know, that, that's where my asset base is. And and so, you know, those are things that are consuming the, the, the leaders of the companies that we're selling into. You know, it you know, they you know, as we talked about this minute ago with the lights coming on. You know, they they kind of assume that their that their security people are doing their jobs and protecting, you know, protecting the company because they, you know, in their mind they're looking at other things. They're looking at the future, yep. and so, you know, you're fighting for that 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 you know dollars and uh, you know you know a great example I always look when you look at uh, companies is is uh, you know I say if you know, if if you, if you go back and look at say train companies. You know, train companies in the you know 1880s, you know, for 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 50 years, were really the the uh, the Googles and the Facebook. You know, they were the technology leaders of the world. They they drove the economy. That was the hot new technology were trains, and and ultimately they saw themselves in the business of of laying down tracks and moving people from point to point. And you know, you fast forward 100 years, people are much more mobile than they ever would in, in magnitudes. People are moving everywhere. But trains have become a very small part of the, you know, transportation sector because, you know, they, their business ultimately was too focused on delivering, you know, buying trains, moving, you know, move, laying down track, developing those schedules, which is just not how the world moves anymore. I mean, you and I don't take a train to get back to Ohio. We're going to jump in our car and drive on a road. And so, uh, you know, there's lots of examples throughout history 
you know, these large infrastructure companies that become irrelevant, you know, over time. And, and I think right now, you know, you look a lot at the energy industry is in a similar position where they're they're looking out at the world and they're looking at all the alternative energy, you know, things going on, uh, you know, same thing, you know, the car industry with, 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 you know, electric cars and everything like that. And, and that, you know, that's where these businesses spend a lot of their time figuring out how do they stay relevant, you know, as an infrastructure provider. And, and, you know, so when you get down to priorities and OT security, it, it's got to be there, it's got to work, uh, but you're not the headliner, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, you know, the, uh, you know, you're not the headliner. So, you know, I think as OT companies right now in this emerging space, that that's really, you know, one of our battles is, is, you know, we, we've got to create, you know, you, know, you got to have a sense of urgency, you have to bring solutions to the market. I think you have to do that. Uh, you know, we, you know, all these companies and in, in the public and private sector have to work as a team. Um, but at the same time, we have to recognize that this isn't always the major priority of the companies that we're selling into. You know, this, I think this, that's another really important part. Anybody who's listening, who's who is in the position where they need to convince others to to you know buy a service or a product, that there are you know and again some very close friends who are deep deep cybersecurity folks who don't have the other dimensions in their life and so they know better than anybody how this stuff works but sometimes get lost in that and don't see the the other perspective it's like who am i selling to if i wore their hat and which is what you're talking about leaders of let's say utilities or whatever if i wear their hat well they've got other concerns and that that's the big aha moment if you're trying to convince or help someone uh, you know adopt something new it'd, it'd be better to you know instead of continue to pound them on you know the merits of this and you could be hacked and all these sorts of fear and certainty and doubt things it's more like what, what's your world like oh you're managing these sorts of things and you have these sorts of issues and where does this fit into there where does risk and, and mitigating or managing risk fit into that portfolio of things you've got to do but you've got other things you have to do the businesses have to move forward so i think that's a that's another that's a big you know aha moment for some people to really grasp that and say okay there's some things i need to think about maybe things they've never you know right, rightfully so if you have an expertise in a certain vertical or area why why would you be thinking about those other things unless you start to study them and sort of like okay what's your world like and and now i'm going to try to try to convince you of something i'm going to do in your context that's a huge that's a huge thing entrepreneurs learn that the hard way right <laughs> yeah yeah well and I, and I think it's you know particularly in our industry you know it really puts an emphasis on you know obviously it, it's it's we're competitive i mean we have to go sell our product and 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 you know we need to do that but you know we also you know as an industry we also have to work together and and, and talk and, and collaborate because you know ultimately exactly what you're saying this this is about you know it's not about eliminating risk it's about bringing a measured risk risk approach to the solutions yeah and, and maintaining the best posture. And so, you know, what that is, I think, is still very much in flux. I think a lot of smart people are trying to figure that out is, is what's the, you know, what's the level of risk that we're, we're trying to, you know, or risk mitigation we're trying to get to. But, but you know, we're, we're not going to eliminate risk. So we have to come up with the, the best solutions because, you know, you have to protect people. I mean, again, the, you know, the difference between OT and IT in my mind is is OT is serious. People die. You know, if, if 30 million credit cards get stolen, it's it's obviously hugely inconvenient to those people. And, yeah. and um, you know, and, but, you know, but stores don't go out of business and people don't stop shopping. You know, in the OT world, you know, people people can die if if, if things happen. And so you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm very interested to start seeing. I know water has been a big focus here in the last yeah. uh, couple of weeks. And I, tell you, I was I was actually an elected official in a small municipality in, in the suburbs of Chicago, and so I used to do a lot of time. I dealt a lot with budgets, you know, with municipal budgets. 
you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because, you know, a lot of the water infrastructure is owned by these small municipalities and, you know, they don't have the money. You know, they just, you know, at the end of the day, people are not interested in paying higher taxes to, to provide, you know, more security for their water system, or, or at least right now, I'm sure if, if some event happens, that'll could change the dynamic and that would be unfortunate. You know, you, you obviously don't want to see anything happen uh, as a, as a, you know, for cause to, to create a sense of urgency. But, but, you know, it's interesting because I think those are some of the, you know, the battles that are, that are on the horizon here is, you know, you've got to balance this security with what the priorities are, what people are willing to pay for. Um, and it's, you know, it's, 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 you know, sometimes it's going to be tough choices, but that, that's where I think the innovation and, and what we're doing and other companies in this field are doing is, is so key because, you know, what we're really trying to do is, is, is bring, uh, you know, very cost effective solutions that can address this in a reasonable way and address well, the problem. Yeah. And so let's, I, I think we're already touching on it, but maybe there's something else you would share if I framed it this way. What would you, if, if someone is considering taking, bringing their, again, bringing their experience from uh, other industries and sectors to this sector, um, now that you, you know, what, five years into it, uh, approximately, you know, what, any advice you'd either go back and tell yourself five years ago, or that you would tell somebody else who, again, maybe an entirely different industry, but is excited about this, looks, it looks interesting. And maybe they're a, maybe they're a marketing expert or a sales expert or a finance expert. And there is, you know, there's growth. There's, you know, numerous new companies that are on the grow right now in this space. I don't know how many, but I, I, I my sense is it's quite a few. So there's opportunity to, to, to join our community um, at, a, you know, at, at senior levels, not, you know, not turning nuts and bolts and making a, an infrastructure more secure. Obviously, like you said, there's people on the team that, that that's what they're focused on. But there's this other whole set of disciplines to make these to make these enterprises successful. Any advice you'd give? somebody looking at that observing that or, or thinking yeah about yeah you know it's it's, it's interesting I, I i think uh absolutely i mean first of all I, I think as an industry we should we should welcome people in um and, and welcome different point of views because ultimately solving the problem is 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 really figuring out the balance between all of these different stakeholders in the process you know some things i've, I've found out about you know learned in the last couple of years that, that you know i say i think we're, we're still in the early stages I recall, you know, when we first, as probably four years ago now, we sat down with a number of uh, OT cybersecurity leaders, and 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 I had long conversations with them, probably twenty or thirty at the time. I can't remember exactly how many, but one of the things that became apparent was there really were no best practice standards. Everybody had their own, you know, their idea of what best practices were, and and oftentimes they were bringing those. Um, you know, a lot of these people. Were, were, you know, I don't want to say new to OT, but only been in OT a few years and brought this from, from you know, previous IT experience, you know, which in, in some ways was was very good. But, you know, you know, overall, I would say even even people I've seen in this industry for a long time, we're, we're all still learning and we're all still coalescing around standards and ideas of what is the, the best thing uh, to do. You know, there has to be a high degree of communication around that. So I, I think bringing these, these various viewpoints, you know, into, into play is, is really critical. You know, the bottom line is we, we work in a field where, you know, what, what keeps us up at night is the, what, you know, the, the, what is it, the unknown unknowns or whatever the quote is, is, yeah. is you know, I, I see right now just such a, a thirst for knowledge to be prepared to think through various scenarios and, you know, it's, it's just, you know, by definition, if you're if you're spending, you know, if you if you spend a lot of time thinking about one thing, you, you probably 
know that very well. You've probably thought through multiple, multiple scenarios around that. The danger is the things you're not thinking about because you're you're so focused on on certain things. You know, having other people in the room and, and getting them into the industry and introducing those new ideas as part of the risk equation. We're never going to map out all the unknowns by definition, but but hopefully we could significantly increase the size of the map and and turn unknowns into knowns and be prepared for them. You know, like they tell you when you get on a plane, you know, you look for where the you know how many rows you are from the exit because I guess studies have shown that just having that little bit of information increases your chances of survival if something were to happen. And so, you know, it's really just continuing to catalog that kind of information I think is critical. And and you can't, you can't do that when you're, when you're very inward focused, you you have to bring in outside ideas. And so I I think everybody's ideas are important. I think people in the industry should be welcoming people from outside the industry and people from outside the industry should be actively looking to say, you know, to see how they can, um, you know, contribute to the industry. I think it should very much be a two-way street right now. I, uh, I fundamentally uh, agree with you on, on that. And there's a plenty of empty chairs. So it's not like there's not room. We've got so much to do and, and the tables are not full. Um, if you look at the potential impact, I mean, by you know, critical infrastructure says it all. You don't really have to define that too much farther than the name. You know, but it, it really is interesting to see that there, there still are, you know, relatively speaking, a handful of people that are, are trying to manage, you know, what potentially is a huge, you know, huge risk for, for this country, for everybody. And, and it still really comes down to, uh, you know, what I think, you know, having been in a couple of different industries now, a relatively small group of people um, trying to manage critical, I, I, I would just put it in, again, put it in context. I would guess the number of people in OT cybersecurity is dwarfed by the number of people in uh, retail analytics, trying to figure out how to make you buy something. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of put it in that context and you think, well, you know, if I don't add one more thing to my shopping cart, you know, nobody in my family is going to starve. Whereas, you know, if somebody hacks the water supply or brings in the electrical grid, serious stuff can happen. So, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we, we definitely need, um, you know, we definitely need more smart people. Yeah, well, I I, uh, I agree with you. And so, looking to the future, uh, anything excite you? Anything you are um, thinking, uh, either for yourself or for network perception, or just in general in this in this industry that you think? Uh, oftentimes, we get questions like, you know, what, where where should I focus? Earlier stage career folks, you know, where can I gain expertise and and be sort of on the cutting edge, uh, you know, in the future? And we, you and I have sort of we've been we've been talking about this idea of recognizing opportunity before it's completely obvious. You know, that's always hard to do. Um, uh, you know, what is it? The wing? Yeah. yeah, I'm laughing to our earlier conversation because, you know, I I keep thinking, ah, maybe I'll get it right this time. Uh, Because like I said, I was too young and dumb the first time. No, I I think, you know, it's interesting when, when I started with network perception, uh, you know, I thought we had some important work to do and I thought we could make an impact. You know, and as we've been discussing, the, the world has gotten much larger and, and the spotlight has moved more towards OT security. So, you know, whereas before we were kind of, you know, operating off stage a little bit, you know, I, I think the opportunities here are just continue to grow. And that, that excites me because, uh, you know, particularly in the space we're in, we think, you know, what we're doing, you know, essentially an independent verification is, you know, you know, we view our customers as really in the early adoption stages. And, and so, you know, we think there's so much, not just room for growth for us, but for the industry overall. And, and we've just recognized that we can really take a leading role 
in, in helping them understand better how to secure the network, how to secure your, you know, you know, access to the network, uh, what that means, how you can be more progressive, how you can do it efficiently so it doesn't, you know, consume tons of resources within your organization. And, you know, as I said, even even three or four years ago, our our perception of, of what network perception could be ha- has grown uh, tremendously. But, but that's largely been aligned with how the industry has been growing. You know, I, I think we just, you know, we're seeing... Uh, a lot more of the resources come in. We're seeing a lot more ideas. We're seeing a lot more, you know, focus, uh, you know, at the at the government level, at the, at the company level, and and so um, you know, and it's, and it's easy to feel like you have important work to do. You know, as I said, protecting critical infrastructure uh, by definition is is important work, and so you know, that, I think that's real exciting. I think that's very exciting. I mean, I can tell you from my career, I've I've done you know the companies I've had in the past. You're always mission driven, but I, I don't think the mission has ever been so so important as it is now, you know, in this country because there's just uh, there's just you know what 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 gets you up in the morning and excites you about about the growth opportunities also the stuff that kind of scares you because you start recognizing more and more how much work there is to do and and how important this is and and it, you know as we were talking about before the, the bottom line is most most people aren't paying attention to this they just expect to be protected. You know, and so, uh, uh, you, you know, you got, you know, the idea, you know, the opportunity to get out there and, and do that, I think, is is very exciting. And, I, and, I, and I, like I say, I think, you know, what we're doing now and hopefully this time around, um, you know, like I said, going, you know, just going back to when my buddy said the Internet's going to be big. I think, uh, you know, right now, recognizing where OT is, I think I have a better understanding of what that means and, and how we can more fully participate in it, how we can make an impact in that how we can be thought leaders in that. Uh, you know, I think all those opportunities are are on the table. Not, and, and not just for network perception. I mean, we're, we very much want to be part of the conversation and be a leader in the conversation. But I think there have to be a lot of people in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I love and, and so, Yeah, and so, I, I, you know, so we're, we're, we're looking for that. Yeah, well, I, I love this this theme. It's a good one to 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 end on, which is this, there's a mission here. And then that also may resonate some with people who are, um, in other industries and are, um, you know, not to put too fine a point on a board uh, and not inspired uh, currently, they can bring their expertise to this sector. And there is an important mission. And I think that's something a lot of us feel. That's not, a, uh, you know, a couple of us, you know, that, that theme comes up a lot. And um, I know that uh, that what you're, you're, you were just describing is, is felt by a lot of people. It's like, wow, we're doing something important. And it's got a lot of exciting dynamics, a lot of growth coming, a lot of problems not yet solved. Uh, important mission. There's a lot at stake, and those are those are uh, those are great elements for uh, for career path. Whatever somebody's level is, if if they want more of that and they don't currently have that where they're at, this is a this is an exciting sector to join and get um, get all of that um, as part of part of what someone does. You know, what what their the reason the reason to work and purpose to you know get up every day and accomplish something gets I don't want to say easier, but it's it's exciting to have those elements as part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 great, and if you're young. Um, yeah, it's funny. My, my my oldest daughter is graduating from college this year, and actually just uh, took is starting her first job in the fall with IBM. And she she's not in there, you know, she's not in the cybersecurity group. But it it was, uh, and, and I can say it's zero influence from me. I'm not sure she even knows exactly what we do. But uh, you know, it's interesting because you know she has an interest, and that's one of her goals is to is to kind of move into the cybersecurity area um, potentially. And, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, that, that's what we need. We need to, you know, we need to 
encourage people to get in. You know, I, I think it is very mission driven. I think it, it is something important. Um, you know, there, there's a certain element of, you know, to be used before being an offensive lineman. I'm not, I'm not sure you're going to get your name in the paper or uh, necessarily have people coming up to you after the game and uh, want to take your picture, but, but it's important work. It's very important work and it's, 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 and it's critical work. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that rely on, on, you know, rely on this infrastructure every day. Every, I mean, everybody, not a lot, everybody relies on this every day. Everybody and, everywhere uh, around the world. Yeah. Everywhere yeah. around the world. Well, it's, it's funny because we, we have a lot of companies, we, people we talk to internationally and, you know, it's not unique to the United States. This is everywhere. It's um, not. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's everywhere, everyone, everywhere, everything. And so, uh, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think people to get excited about being part of that should, should definitely be, you know, attracted to, to coming into the industry. And, you know, as I, I can't emphasize enough, there's, there's such a need for people and, and, the, and, the, you know, we asked before to, or there, there's such a thirst for knowledge right now. I mean, that, that's the thing that one of the things that really excites me is that yeah. I see even the most experienced OT people out there are asking questions, yeah. you know, and they're, they're eager to learn. And so that, that, that to me is exciting because that makes people interesting. That makes people smart. You know and, what? And I, I, people. Yeah. I love that element too. And I see it every week now with people coming to our sessions and I know some of them and I know some of them are experts and they're there at these sessions. And I've asked if you're like, so I just not to put a fine point on my question. Why, why are you coming, you know, to some of our sessions? There's more to learn and you've got great speakers that give other perspectives and other little nuggets. And there, and there's a lot of live chat going on during the sessions. And I see some of these people who clearly have expertise and it's all about, like you said, a thirst for knowledge, acquiring more of the puzzle pieces um, there's very few people that are like, yeah, I got it all figured out. And those are people probably not yeah. to be trusted. The rest are like, no matter if they've been in the industry for a long time, they're like, okay, there's more to know. That is sort of a, um, that's a potent cocktail for sure. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's a great attitude. And I, and I think it speaks to the people in the industry because, you know, what it tells you is that the people that are in this industry are, are here for a purpose. Yeah. And, and they understand the purpose and, and they understand that the, the goal line, you know, there is no goal line. And, and so, you yeah. know, you know, nobody's going to be spiking the ball here at the end. You yeah. Know, we're, we're constantly just moving down. The field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, but, but, you know, that, that takes a certain mentality to, to want yeah. to be in the position. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. Well, uh, this comes uh, to my favorite part of all these interviews, which is uh, where I steal something from a show I always enjoyed inside the actor's studio. And, uh, <laughs> So I watched that for years. James Lipton always was interviewing some of the famous actors and actresses on his stage. And he ended all his interviews with the same questionnaire, the Pavot questionnaire, which he borrowed uh, from a French show before that. So I think this is this may go back to the before the 50s. Uh, I don't know how far back mm-hmm. it goes, but it's it's certainly decades, many decades that this same exact 10 questions have ended uh, ended those interviews. And I've adopted those in sort of uh, as a tip of my hat to that show and its sort of heritage. And so if you're up for it, we'll ask you the uh, the same 10 questions. Oh, sure, sure. Go right ahead. All right. Uh, what is your favorite word? Actually, I would have to say legumes. I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right, but I like saying it. <laughs> that is the... I, the I do that all the time. I walk, in, I walk into the TV room with my kids and I just go, legumes! I love they it. They think I'm crazy. I love okay. it. I love it. Um, what is your least favorite word? Ah, that, that's an easy one. That's probably can't. That's can't. I, I, I just uh, don't like to hear that. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? 
You know, it, it, it's really being around people. I, I love positive people. I love positive energy. You know, I, I like people that are infectious. What turns you off? You know, again, negativity. Uh, you know, people uh, that uh, are not friendly. What is your favorite curse word or abbreviation? Ah, shit. What would I say there? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you the question. <laughs> Actually, I've noticed as I get older, I, I curse more, so I'm not sure what that says. But uh, yeah, there's, a, there's an index in life, right? Um, what sound or noise do you love? You know, again, I really love, uh, you know, I, I live here in Chicago in the Loop, and uh, I actually was just in New York a few days ago, and, and I really love, uh, you know, that sound of being in a, you know, if you're in a, an area with a lot of people, kind of that energy and the noise and the, the conversation that just that gets me going. What sound or noise do you hate? Yappy dogs. I don't what? know. <laughs> If you ever, if you know, yappy dogs. I won't mention any particular breeds. I don't want to insult anybody, but uh, we all know who they are. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I always wish I'd tried stand-up comedy, which again, my children will tell you that I would fail miserably, but you know, <laughs> part of me wishes I'd still taken that path. Oh, I love it. What profession would you like to not do? Well, I got to tell you, for those of you who remember, whoever read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, if I recall correctly, Charlie's dad's job was screwing the lids on toothpaste tubes in the factory. So that's always what I use as a as my uh, comp for something that you do not want to do. If you're the person who has to, I, I'm pretty sure it's done by machine now, but I would not want to screw the lids under the toothpaste tubes in the factory. That would. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ah, you know, I think most of all that you were a good father. You know, that's my most important job. So, you know, just uh, the hardest job and the most important job. And, uh, you know, one you uh, uh, try to do better every day. So, you know, it'd be nice to not necessarily be recognized, but at least know you did okay. Well, I'm I'm right there with you on that, Ted. uh, I've always likened kids to startups, right? You got to put a lot of energy and resources into them and you're never sure how they're going to turn out. And, you love them and you hope for the best and there's risk and all these sorts of same parallels. So they're the greatest startup in the world. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lot of fun. Well, thank you. Ted Green, Chief Operating Officer of Network Perception, longtime serial entrepreneur, currently out of Chicago, Illinois, actually a long time out of Chicago, Illinois. Thank you for coming on the show and thank you for joining our community as you've done and uh, bringing your um, your wealth of knowledge from other, other sectors to, uh, to our sector. Uh, my pleasure, Derek. It was great talking to you. All right. Take care. Be well. We'll see you. uh, See you soon.